welcome to Diva Week Part 4. Yes, we're still going. I hope you're enjoying these bite-sized episodes with tips on caring for the plants that sometimes cause us houseplant keepers a few headaches. And today's plant is Begonia maculata whitei, the polka dot begonia that features in the On The Ledge logo. So we couldn't miss out on this one. And joining me today is Daniel from Melbourne, who is the face behind the Instagram account Minstera. And I'll put a link to that account in the show notes where you can have a look at some gorgeous Begonia Maculata whitey eyes, which Daniel has been growing. So he's clearly the right person to be talking to about taking care of these plants. One thing I've noticed doing these interviews that all the people I speak to say, well, I don't find it that hard to grow. Well, of course, you don't find it that hard to grow because you're the expert on growing this plant. For the rest of us mere mortals, we will continue to struggle. But Daniel was really helpful in highlighting lots of issues to be aware of with this plant. So let's crack right on and hear from Daniel about how to make your Begonia Maculata YTI happy. Daniel, we are here to talk about a certain spotty plant that features on the On The Ledge logo. So I thought it was important to include it here. Uh, You are on your Instagram, I've seen your Minstera Instagram, there are some beautiful pictures of this plant, Begonia Maculata Whitei. So where do we start with this one? I see a lot of people putting this on their Instagram when they first buy it and it looks kind of nice and then it doesn't <laughs> appear so much anymore, which may give an indication that sometimes this plant is a little bit tricksy. Can you tell us where people go wrong? For me, it's never been a particularly devery plant, but I can understand because it is different in its care compared to a lot of those other aroids that people tend to collect on Instagram. The other thing I think that is a problem with this plant, and maybe you've got a view on this, but so many people, when they put this on Instagram, they massively filter it so that actually it doesn't look the colour that it looks in real life. And so people get their plant and they're thinking, why does my plant look wrong? And it doesn't look wrong. It just doesn't look like a massively filtered begonia on Instagram. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I try not to filter anything on mine ever. I don't ever really edit, but it is like a beautiful kind of dark green. And the one of the main signifiers that people always look for is that really strong, evenly deep red back to the leaf. And if you look at it in like the afternoon light kind of thing, it almost like sparkles like a really nice red nail polish or similar to that. Um, so I think a lot of people edit it and it looks a lot darker. So the white kind of contrasts, but especially for this species i think the spots are one of its main attractions which is why so many people want it and they're just so big and silvery them in themselves um it can like some other plants when they're grown inside versus outside they can be a touch duller on the leaf they kind of lose that little bit of color and like how some plants lose it when they um start to dry they um, go a little bit more paler. So it can, maybe they got it and it's fresh out of a greenhouse and was looking a really rich green and it's kind of paled off a little bit. But for me, that kind of just happens with it being grown indoors because indoors is just that little bit darker than say a shady spot outside. I'm presuming that it's not going to do well with my cactus collection on on a south or in your case, north facing windowsill. We we, we need some kind of, we, we need that old bright indirect light thing that we're always looking for. Definitely, definitely. 
I kind of learned that through the Houseplant Journal is like looking at its nearest source of light, be that the skylight above it or a big window next to it, and tilting your head to its angle and can you see that large patch of sky? It doesn't have to be having the direct light through it, but looking at that sky, that's light coming towards you and that's that bright indirect light that these plants and so often mysteriously advise bright indirect light. So I put it in a spot, tends to be maybe a couple of metres away from a window that will get morning sun, a little bit further away if it's something they're getting, getting in the afternoon sun. So for me, that's east, eastern windows is ideal or like a north facing and putting it in a spot where the morning light filters through. Um, and that seems to do well for them. And growing outside, if you are lucky enough to have a spot outside in the shade, then just like a brighty, bright shade spot or under some fairly bright shade cloth and they'll be really happy there. One of the things that seems to happen to these plants is dropping leaves. I mean, I know there's, a, there's lots of reasons why that can happen. It, is it usually, it's usually water-related, isn't it? Is, it? is it usually water-related for Begonia maculata? For me, it's usually if it's struggling. Um, often I find I get a lot of leaf drop if it's struggling from powdery mildew, which is probably one of the main ailments it gets. You've got, you're getting me started now. This is where I yes, start I going <laughs> very angry because that's what I lost my last one to. And I just couldn't get rid of the powdery mildew and it drove me nuts. I'm sorry, I'm, 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 I'm having a stress <laughs> moment here from remembering the stress of my begonia. No, no, yeah. One of mine's looking a little bit worse for wear because for me, they tend to, it worsens a lot in those cooler, those off-season months. So that's either in autumn or right. spring when it's warm and then cold in the evening. And there's that little bit more rain around, which can create that kind of perfect environment for the fungal disease to exist and be able to get into the leaves. So often watch out for it in those seasons. And you'll often find on those plant Facebook groups, there'll be a rush within a one month period of what's happening to my begonia. Why is there this white spot starting to appear that wasn't there before? And that's usually the mm. beginning of the powdery mildew growing. It will be a little white fluff. And as it takes hold, it will turn it into a darker kind of black disease spot. Um, and then they'll start appearing everywhere. And if you let it get really, really bad, you can have the mildew kind of growing over all of the stem and kind of over the large surface of the leaf. And at that point, I would call that quite bad. <laughs> but when it, you're just getting those spots, that's the perfect time to get on top of it with the fungicide. A lot of fungicides that are marketed towards roses for black spot issues, etc., works fine. Um, so that's just, I think, mycobutanol is the compound in that one that I use. It's not too harsh. Um, it's not too toxic and you can get away with using that fine. I did hit it with copper once and that was definitely way too strong. <laughs> and mm -hmm. I semi-defoliated the plant, but I've learned that lesson now and now no one else will have to do that. But if you're worried, spray a little bit of it, but getting on top of it sooner rather than later will always be better for the, those begonias because it will just weaken and weaken the plant. And then if it's in unideal conditions, as I imagine a UK winter is for a tropical begonia. <laughs> <laughs> and that could cease to be the end of it. But a lot of mine, because I grow quite a few outside, if I'm feeling particularly lazy, they'll just have it and have it until I can finally get to the point of treating it and they'll pull through. And if you end up with a really leggy begonia or quite a bare one after a battle with mildew in the spring, you can give it a cut back almost quite hard. And then that will down to kind of where you see a nice healthy shoot coming out and that will blossom off from there and you can use the other parts for cuttings as well and that should give you encourage some nice strong growth from the plant and into recovery excellent okay well that is good advice and i guess you're right the british winter is not ideal for for these plants <laughs> and uh, 
Yeah. Why are we trying? Why are we struggling? Well, that's the question I often ask myself. But um, yeah, it is a beautiful plant, and that's why it's on the on the ledge logo and so yeah. recognisable. But I do think I do remember reading, and I think it was on your Instagram that there is some issue with the identity of this plant. Yes. Can you just <laughs> briefly give me a summary of that? Because I thought that was quite fascinating. Well, I was getting quite frustrated with people selling any angel wing angel wing or polka dot begonia can be a generic term for the vast number of species and hybrid um, begonias which have the dotty dotty leaves um and there are some particular characteristics that people look out being the leaf is usually quite large on the maculata the spots are really large and they're very consistent almost where they lay on it like where they sit on the leaf um and it is a bit of a taxonomic debate as to whether it is a species or a cultivar i've dug really deep in <laughs> online and it kind of comes back to this one article in the american begonia society magazine from 1933 and the description of it there is quite poor <laughs> which doesn't help um but i've kind of settled on it's a whether it's a legitimate and recognized scientific name or not it is very helpful in people explaining what they want to you i want that begonia with the big spots with the white flowers and then that it exists in that kind of way and then we we'll, might find out confirmation later down the track or not but it tends to lean towards it being a variation of the maculata species of which there are four of them there's like maculata um var maculata i'm gonna get them up now because i don't want to give you the wrong names if that's, that's okay. okay uh yeah so you got maculata var whitei um, and then there's uh, Argentia as well is the other one that you get. They're the kind of three little variations on the one species, which is from mm. Southeast Brazil. I think it's really great that you're d digging deep and, you know, going back to articles from 1930, the American <laughs> Society. That, that sounds like me yeah. and my my hunt for, you know, like two years ago, my trying to understand Monstera Adansonii and Abiga oh, yeah. and reading academic papers and just, you know, scratching my head. It's wonderful. Well, I'm glad that you've done that research. Yeah. And, my I mean, I presume that there's somebody somewhere doing some taxonomic begonia yeah. work that might come up with an answer, hopefully. Eventually, I, but yeah there's like in the royal Ed edinburgh gardens there's um a gentleman up there who's kind of got a department um and he has a website which is actually really good if you have begonia questions um i can give that link to you and you can link it in but sure. he has a lot he has a way of searching for specimens which links you to like the herbarium scans and also different names and synonyms and it's just kind of trying to be one website for it uh, and then there's an Australian oh, one as well, which is the international database of the Begoniaceae, AC. And that has all of your hybrids and all of your species. Um, so you can use oh, wow. that to, okay. if you think, if they're selling a plant under this name, you can look it up in there. And often people have posted photos of it and you can compare that way. But my one gripe is people having a plant, loving it, dotting over it, finding out it's not YDI, and then being like, I hate it now. I don't want it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like if you initially liked it. That's kind of sad, it isn't it? Please keep it yeah. and enjoy it for what it yeah. is. It's yeah, no, exactly. Name. Well, assuming that, you know, we've established that our plant is some, at least some form of maculata, hopefully YDI, yeah. what else do we need to know? With watering, yeah. again, it, it, this is a, another big downfall for many people. I mean, with my begonias, I tend to leave them until they're nearly wilting before I water, yeah. which is probably not good. I'll start with the soil and then into the water because they are connected. Sure. 
Um, but I, did, mm-hmm. I personally use like an aerated potting mix medium. I think the UK is different in that a lot of your bagged potting mixes are maybe peat based and quite wet. If I yes. understand correctly, I'm trying to work it out from what people say. But ours are kind of like a composted pine bark is where the base of our potting mixes come from. So it's about like a yeah. soil mix. And then I add to it kind of a fine, finer orchid bark, not super chunky, just for a little bit of aeration along with some charcoal and perlite. And I kind of label that my general potting mix that's like a little bit aerated. And that's kind of like an all-purpose one. I've seen across the many members of the Begonia Society, some grow in like a heavy sand kind of potting mix. Others add polystyrene or some just use like a bagged compost straight away. And so I don't think they're particularly fussy, but you will be adjusting your water to your mix. So with mine being area, it will dry out a little bit quicker. And I wait for that, the kind of standard, the top layer to start to dry out. And I often go by the weight of the pot is very helpful. If it's still quite Mm. heavy, then that's telling me it's not quite dry yet. But once it's starting to get some lightness to the for the size then that's when i'll give it a really good drink and then sitting it in that saucer of water to take up all at once over the next kind of half an hour and then draining it away and popping it back where it lives so it has a chance to take up water from the soil and any of the extra water to thoroughly rewet the soil in between each watering and do these ones like to be a little bit snug in the pot do they or do they you know is it one of those things you've got to pot on really regularly i'm a skeptic of this I love it root bound <laughs> situation. Yeah. I, <laughs> like a lot, you get that a lot with Hoyas being like, they love to be root bound and leave it in the same pot for 30 or 40 years and then you'll finally get a flower. I tend to give them room to grow. A lot of cane begonias, which is what maculata is, they send up a lot of basal growth from below the soil, which gives you a bright new kind of fresh water shoot. And you'll get that will generally grow taller and healthier than the previous one. So you kind of want to give it a little bit of room for that kind of base to spread out underneath as it fills out because often you'll buy it and it'll just be one cane and then over time you'll get another one coming up from under the soil and another one kind of with each burst of burst of growth mm-hmm. so you want to give it a little bit of room and i like keeping the mix nice and fresh the pine bark potting mixes they can break down over years so if you leave it in that for many many years to keep it snug i don't mm. that will just deteriorate in other aspects so i like every season i'll give it a repot just up one size so from a 14 centimeter or six inch to maybe a 17 centimeter. If it grows really fast, I might double upsize it. Or if it's super slow, then I'll kind of leave it maybe for two years. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what else do we need to cover? Oh, feeding. Uh, um, anything particular yeah. on the feeding front? Usually, well, with the potting mix, when I replace it, I use like a premium, good quality potting mix. I think that's definitely mm. important, no matter what you use, to use one that's good quality because that will give you the longevity and often it has fertilizer. So that will be like the slow release fertilizer hit will be in that mix. And then over the growing season, which is getting into late spring, once it's shaken off winter, all through summer and into kind of mid-autumn, I'll be feeding it maybe every fortnight to a month, depending how on top of it I am with just a liquid feed. Not too fu- like nothing too fussy. Don't go out and buy a special one just for it. Using any of your all-purpose one will suffice Great. for sure. And any good feeding regime will give you really, really good results. I think... It's very scary, the thought of over-fertilizing, but a lot of people under-fertilize massively because they're too scared. Yeah. So yeah, that's a really good point. Once a month will give you really good results. That's a really good point. I don't see many over-fertilized plants, but I see quite a few under-fertilized plants. I think that's... No, yeah. And the ones, if you do water it quite frequently because it's airy, you will be flushing away lots of those nutrients in the soil. Mm -hmm. 
So if you're barely watering it because it's quite a heavy mix, then that mix will probably be holding on to those nutrients longer than if it's quite airy and you're washing it all through. Yeah. Um, so quickly you can deplete a pot of its nutrients by watering it quite frequently. So you can actually up your fertilizer more than you think. That's a really good point, actually. Yeah, it does depend on how how well the substrate is grabbing onto whatever nutrients are coming through. Yeah. Okay, we've covered light, we've covered water, we've covered feeding potting mix what else, anything yeah. else daniel before i let you go um, well temperature oh temperature in general of course species. yes <laughs> which is i'm sure it gives some of your some people grief for it um i find them relatively tough in temperature like they are a warm growing species keeping it warm and humid will pump out the growth a lot faster but they are definitely adaptable to home temperatures or even I mean, I live in a temperate climate, so we have really, really hot summers that are quite dry and then very cool, wetter winters. Um, and it copes quite fine with that. Those, both those extremes getting up to 40 degrees centigrade and then down to not quite frost level, but just above it in winter. Um, they'll often look really terrible in those really cooler months, but a prune back and a feed in spring will bounce them back. If you want to go to effort to up the humidity and keep it in a warmer spot, it will give you some love back for that but it will just grow a little bit slower outside of those ideal conditions and still survive perfectly well and look really good um you only know you have a problem with humidity if much like some philodendrons etc the leaves just kind of never quite unstick properly when they're unfurling and that humidity is kind of needed to undo that glue as i like to call it <laughs> yes that's a very good point and very familiar a very familiar scenario to me uh yeah that is that is excellent advice daniel powdery mildew i guess uh, is is the is the disease issue but what are the pest issues then i think the worst one would probably be mealybugs as with a lot of indoor plants again um because a lot of i mean the maculata it holds onto the stipules which are kind of at each of the nodes you'll get this little dried papery like leaf bract it kind of sits just below where all of those leaves come out and mealybugs love a place like that to hide with similar to on calatheas and kind of philodendrons so if you want to you can tear them off to clear it away and remove the hiding spots as a preventative but in terms of getting rid of them i like to if it's really really bad because often they'll colonize kind of around that base where all those shoots come out and in there so i'll manually try and get rid of them with like an old toothbrush dipped in alcohol is a really good way of, I find getting rid of it. If it's in a pot, you can repot it, get rid of lots of that soil and wash away any around the base. And I often find they like to nest and hide in that little rim on the edge of your pot. So I give the pot a wash as well. If I see any of that, that's in a bad infestation. I know it's bad and we're not all about chemicals these days, but I use, if it's an indoor one, especially, and I'm worried about it spreading, I'll use the systemic insecticide I'll use that as a water. I'll water that into the plant as well to get, and then that will help it go up into the plant or using the systemic granules you can, which will give you longer like action. And if you want to use a soap spray, I really like the ones which have the potassium salts of fatty acids rather than the oil-based ones. Um, I find that works really well. And using a bit of manual action for mealybugs when you're wiping where they are um, really helps get rid of them because you kind of need to break through that white coating. And I think that's one of the most satisfying jobs in house plant care, destroying mealybugs. <laughs> 
I'm a sick, yes. I'm a sick puppy, I know, but I just like that is when, nothing when you more satisfying. Oh, it's yeah, Wendy's so satisfying. Feral. Yeah, it's so <laughs> why do insects have so many babies at once? It makes it so hard. I know, I know. That is why they are very successful houseplant pests, I guess. But yeah, it is infuriating. But yeah, it's a satisfying job, I find. But you just got to be ready to uh, keep going. And I think the tip about getting rid of the soil and washing the pot is also excellent because they can hide in so many nooks and crannies. And then I think. They just come back in and reinvade. It's sometimes it shocks you when you finally notice that they're there. And the mealybugs tend to be hiding and hiding and hiding until they're really bad. Oh, gosh. This is bringing back horrible memories. But we'll, <laughs> we'll end on a positive note of saying... Begonia maculata whitey eye, it's a beautiful plant. And let's hope we can keep them mealybug free. The music you heard in this episode was Roll Jordan Roll by The Joy Drops and Whistle by Benjamin Banger. Both tracks are licensed under Creative Commons. See janeperone.com for details.